All right. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. And let me be one of the first to welcome you and wish you a happy new year. Anybody like me feel like 2023 went by pretty quick? Golly, I was just getting used to it, and now we are here, 2024. Uh, man, if you were here last week, what a wonderful week it was. Man, that's my favorite week of the year. Knew we were going to have a lot of folks out today, but, uh, man, so much goes into making a week like last week possible. And I've got even better news. You know, we did the gifts, and we had all that fun and stuff. Uh, after the message, uh, had a young man give his heart to, to Jesus last week, and so that's what it's all about. Uh, we even said that right Right, like doing the gifts and everything is uh, provision from God and an attempt to carry people to Jesus, and so that was that was beautiful, beautiful to see last week. Uh, well, this week uh, there's a statement that's been going around for years. I'll share it here in a second. You see if you've heard it, uh, but it's always around the time that everybody begins to think about resolutions. Right, the the new year's coming, and there is something magical about that clean slate of the calendar. A, a new year coming, something very motivating about that and uh with that a new year new opportunity all of those things but i've shared this before you know this right that new year's resolutions this uh resolute decision like i am determined this is going to be my year for whatever it is i'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna uh get a better job i'm gonna you know this toxic relationship whatever it's gonna be i'm gonna work on a job whatever those are most of them are broken by mid-February. That's how resolute and determined we are, right? They say that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail at some point during the year, and only 8% stick through the entire year. This is my resolution. This is what I'm resolute, set for all of that. Now, I want to go into what those resolutions are. Yours may be different than mine, uh, but here's the statement that I hear all the time. See if you've ever heard this. New year, new me. Anybody ever heard that? It's in advertising, commercials. I've seen it. I read it in print. This little paper comes to my house. Three times I saw new year, new home. New you, new new year, new lawn. New you, uh, new cell phone. Whatever it was. It was like all of this playing in. It's this new year, new me. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that statement. In fact, I'll, I'll throw this caveat out. If that motivates you, if that uh, takes you to a place of places that you need to change in your life and that new year, new me, by all means, say it. That, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm not here to you know, say that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do want to take some pressure off. Can I get everybody's attention just real quick? Look this way. God's not concerned about a new you. All right. He loves you just the way you are, all right? Doesn't that take the pressure off? Now, I will say this. In Christ, there is this thing of like uh, the, the scripture that says this, that in Christ, we are a new creation, right? So that's a good new you. If you've never made that step, that faith journey, if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, then by all means, please, let's enter into 2024 as a new you. Give your heart and life to Christ just like that young man did last week. But if you're in Christ, let me take the pressure off. No need for a new you. Here's why. Christ has already put his stamp of approval on you when you accepted redemption's price. There is no need for a new you. And you say, well, you don't know me. I've screwed up a lot this year. No need for a new you. It's okay. 
There's grace. Doesn't give you license to sin, uh, but he's already paid redemption's price. There's scripture to back that up where you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He created you exactly like he wanted you. When you look in the mirror and say, man, I don't like what I see. He looks at you and thinks pinnacle of my creation, apple of my eye. I am so in love with you that no greater love than this. I laid down my life for you. You can't be loved any more that you are. So there is no reason for a new you. If you are a believer, if you are not, then yeah, a wonderful, wonderful place to start, right? But that identity of us that was stolen, and here's how confident I am. Every bit of our story goes back to the first pages of our Bible. If you look at the in the beginning, that was how God desired relationship was that he walked with us. He had this personal relationship with us in the garden. Sin and our own choices stole that and redemption buys that back. Right. And so that is another thing of how he is absolutely in love with you. He wants that relationship back. And not only does he want it back, but he made a way for you to have it back. He bought that back with redemption. There's a beautiful churchy word called justification. Anybody ever heard that word? Real deep. That's a $10 theological term right there. But here's how it means in Keith's term, because I'm a simple guy. Heard this my whole life, and it sounds so cheesy, but it is so true. Justified. The word simply means this, just if I had never sinned. That's how Christ looks at you when you've accepted that gift of grace and mercy it is if you had never sinned, and I don't know how it works, but in the mind of God, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ versus your filthy rags that you have to offer on your own. Isn't that good news this morning that he looks at us that way just if I had never sinned? Again, doesn't give us license. Uh, in fact, if you want to know the truth, I think it should bring love and motivation to walk with God because of an amazing love like that. So again, by all means, resolutions, make them, walk in them, trust God, lean into that uh, individually. But I also want us to talk today as a family. Now, I want to tell you this because sometimes, and I hate this, uh, if I'm completely honest, it, it drives me nuts. Sometimes people put too much emphasis on me. This is not my, I am not the head of this family. That is Jesus Christ. He is the head of this family, right? I have an important role, but guess what? It's no more important than the role you play. I'm just a member of this thing. I'm just one of the body parts that gets this family going, right? And so no role is more special than the role that you have. Christ is the head of this family. I want to quote the great theologian Clark W. Griswold. Anybody know that name? Great theologian. Oh, no, no. We're in this together. It's not just me, right? You're with me in this. This is a family thing. And so with that, I'm excited to share this because in all of the years that I've taught, and I know you'd think, well, I'd be a little bit better at it if I've had many years under my belt. But in all the years I've taught, I have never felt led to come to a group and say, what about this for our family resolution? But God's led me in that way this year, and I just want to trust in that. So obviously we're taking a break from Matthew, and I want to uh, talk to you about an intentional aim I feel like our family should have this year. I'll give you a, a sneak peek. It's about our attitude. 
I want you to think about what is my attitude like, not just when I'm out here, but when I'm out in the street, when I'm out in our city. And I can just only imagine if he's leading me in this direction, then he's leading for a reason. And I believe it's pivotal for the new year. And so uh, just for a few minutes, I want to share that this morning. How, again, is your attitude out here as a believer? By the way, if you're a non-believer, it really doesn't apply because you're living in the flesh. You're walking in that flesh. There is no way that you can get better on your own. It's got to have the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And so again, please, please start there. And I'll remind you of this. We've talked about that relationship with Jesus. It is free, but it does cost. That makes sense? Right? We've talked about that. The grace of Jesus is free, but it will cost you laying down your life just like it costs Christ to lay down his. Uh, I want to read to you this morning about our attitude, and uh, a fellow by the name of Paul wrote about an attitude of someone we find very fond in this place. His name is Jesus, uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, and being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, so the glory of God to Father. You pray with me this morning. Father, help us grasp our calling here. Uh, Father, what you're calling us into as believers, as a family, as we just talk through this passage for just a few minutes, Father, that uh, wouldn't be my words that are heard, but Holy Spirit, you would speak and have uh, freedom to, to work in this place. We pray it all the time. Uh, God, you don't need our permission, but we willingly just lay that down and say, uh, speak to our hearts this morning. And so, Jesus, we need you. We thank you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. So I want to just go through this passage just real quick. Uh, Paul is writing the church of Philippi and he's saying this. He starts with this. The same mind, the same love, one accord, one mind. Now, I want to ask you this question. If just this group of believers that were here this morning, those of us that would count ourselves as followers of Christ, if we had the same love, the same mind, the same attitude of Jesus, how different would this city be? I'll tell you, this is just a newsflash. You could see it on the crawler of your screen. If that happened and we left this place with the same attitude of Christ Jesus, I would venture to say just with as few people are here today, there would revival would spark in this city. It might even be something that spread to the county, to the state, 
to the nation and to the globe, right? I mean, that is the power. If you don't believe me, look at what Jesus and 12 followers, and one of those didn't turn out so well, if you've read your Bible, right? Look what they did. It said that when they entered into a town, people even uttered phrases like this, there goes the people that are turning the world upside down. That's the kind of difference they made with having the same attitude and same mind of Jesus. Think about this, just in this parking lot. What if somebody came out here with the mindset, I'm going to do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but humbly, taking the lowest seat at the table, humbly, I'm going to count somebody else more important than myself. You say, well, wait a minute, Keith, you don't understand. It's hard out here. If I put somebody else's need above my own, who's going to look out for me? I've always been taught, look out for number one, right? Nobody else is going to look out for me. I just want to picture this. If I had a line of 10 people out here, right? A line of 10 people. And I said, if you would put the person to your right, if you would put their needs above your own, right? Love them in that way. Count them as more significant than yourself. And then on and on down the line. And when we get to the last person, oh yeah, by the way, you got to circle around, take care of this guy. Who's left out? Nobody. Not a single person because everybody's needs are taken care of because someone has said, I'm valuing you more than I do myself. That's what it really means to follower of Christ. That's why I said the grace of Jesus is free. It is an absolute free gift that costs Jesus everything. And in return, he gives us everything. He redeems us, buys us back to that state we were on page one. I said it last week, took us two chapters to mess the whole thing up for all of human history. But there's redemption. It always was a plan. It wasn't some panicked meeting in heaven. It was a plan for redemption story. And he calls us into that relationship, not just for salvation, but in this discipleship role of now I want you to count others as more important than yourself. Martin Luther King said, if you want to be great, lead, right? If you want to lead, you want to serve, right? If you want to be great, serve. Put somebody else above you. That's what it means to truly be great, right? That, that we put others in front of us. If you want to be great, that's wonderful, right? Serve. Take the low seat at the table. The enemy stole what we had, but Jesus brings it back. And, and here's the thing. He gives us this place and we get this inward focus, right? When really the call here is to be outward focused. But I do want to tell you this. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You've got to take time for you. You've got to take those times and ways to, to grow your relationship with God so that you're, you're never going to catch the attitude of Jesus by walking in the flesh or living your own life and just doing whatever you want to do, putting yourself first. It's not in here. Somehow as the church, we've magically put this thing. We don't have an aisle here, but if you want to picture a traditional church, if you just walk down to the aisle and talk to some preacher that, by the way, I hate to break it to you, does not have some kind of special connection to God that you don't. It's all the Holy Spirit. I'm no different than anybody else out here. In fact, if you want to walk with me and hang out long enough, you'll probably find you're closer to God than I am. I try, right? That's my goal. I aim for that, but I mess it up all the time. I'm so grateful for grace, but there is no thing where you walk down an aisle, say this prayer, and then just coast through the rest of your life. That's not salvation. 
The call is come follow me and then I got a job for you. It's to love others. It's to put others first. It is to bring them into relationship. It's all him, but to lead them. Just like that man that was the paralytic that had four friends that said, we are determined even if we have to tear the roof off this place and it costs us financially or people look at us crazy. We're lowering this guy down because we know the only answer is Jesus. That's what he calls us to, to carry people to Jesus the same way that happens. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Again, not anything wrong with looking after yourself, but don't just stop there. Look after others. We say, well, man, I wish I had an example of that. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you the power that are in those words? Some of you let that over your head. I want you to hear this again. If you are a believer this morning, if you have a relationship with God, again, don't start getting there. Well, I did this and I did. Doesn't matter what you did. It's more about what Jesus did. Amen. All right. So if it is finished in your life, if you've accepted that gift and you are walking in Christ, I want you to hear these words again. You say, man, this attitude sounds so out there. I don't know that I can do this. I want to tell you this. It's already yours in Christ Jesus. Here's what it says. All these things, same mind, same love, count others more important. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You already got it because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ that lives in you. Now, listen, what happens is the flesh, sin, the world, the enemy, beats us the hell down and it is sometimes so far down in there that you have to just go through the muck and all the stuff that life brings pray yourself out of that and say but god i want to operate in the spirit of you not in the spirit of my flesh because the flesh will raise its head every single day am i right so you say man even when i'm here can i be honest with you I got mad this morning in the flesh at a response that I'm having, right? With somebody out here. And if they got a problem with it, we'll, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm messing. But you understand it happens, right? We have to pray. Like, don't let me be like that, God. Let me walk in you. Like, this is walking in Keith. I don't want to do that. I want to walk in you. We cannot pour from an empty cup. So what we pray is this, Jesus, fill me up. Not so that I can hog it by myself. Not so that I can feel all warm and fuzzy. Not so I have the best devotion I've ever had. Not so I can, you know, have the best worship, sir. So I can give to others. So I can count them as more important myself. That is the calling. Again, look around this park. What if this body that is present today said, starting in 2024, I'm going to put others as more important than myself. It's life-changing. It is honestly world-changing in this place. Jesus is the example. He said, we have it in Christ, this same person that was God himself but didn't count equal with God, took on human flesh, and then it says became obedient to the point of death, and not just that, but death on a cursed cross it says cursed is the man that is hung on a tree laid there naked on a tree laid down his life no one took it for him he gave it and he's calling us to do the same maybe not on a cross but in a spiritual sense i don't live for me anymore 
Because I said it last week. I, I want you to think about that. I don't know who the oldest person out here. I'm not going to take a poll. I'll use myself. I'm 45. If I live to be 90, guess what? That means I'm halfway home. Probably won't live to be 90, right? Why would I live for 45 years and just do whatever I want to do and let that be everything I'm living for when I got an eternity out there that my soul's got to answer for? Listen, I'm all about a good deal. Everybody loves a good deal, right? Let me tell you, swapping 45 for an eternity is foolish. It's fool's gold. It's not real, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if that's what you do, it says it in this passage. And make no mistake, it is the God's honest gospel truth. I want everybody to do this. This is going to sound really weird. It's going to sound really weird, but I just feel this. I, I want you to do it. I want everybody to look down. And if you don't have any, I apologize. But I want you to look down at your knees. Look at your knees right now. Scripture says one day, yours and everybody and I'm going to tell you this, even miraculously, God forbid you've had an accident and you're Lieutenant Dan out here and you got no legs, right? One day, your knee is going to be there and you are going to bow. Before a holy God, you are going to bow, even if you spent this whole life saying that Jesus stuff is a load of bull. One day when you leave this life and your last breath is taken, you are going to be before a holy God. And scripture says your knee is going to be on the ground and you are going to say, you are the king. You are right. I was wrong. But at that point, it's over. It is too late. Separation for him for all eternity and everything that is good. But an old sinner like me. Somebody that's done everything you can think of, gave his life to Christ. When I bow, it's going to be, you are king. Come on in. I know you. He's going to look at me as the righteousness of Christ. That is the great exchange in Scripture. The fact that I ever get to lay down my sin and not carry it anymore is amazing. But the most amazing part is the great exchange is I lay down my sin and I pick up the glory of Christ. He laid down his glory and picked up my sin. There ain't a better deal out there. If you want a good deal, that's the best deal I know of. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is everything to me. I pray that it is to you. Don't mean that you're going to get it right. I will let you down. I will screw up today. I already have, and I will again before the day's over, but there is grace. When we see this, this is the calling that we have to have the attitude that is Christ Jesus. Say, so, well, why is that so important? I want to take you to a passage we are going to be in Matthew, but it's a little ahead of where we're at in the, in the Scripture this morning. I think it's Matthew 22, if I remember right. Let's see here. Matthew 22. Would you say the words of Jesus are uh, pretty important? It's not a trick question, right? Matthew 22 says this. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer. By the way, we already don't like the guy, right? Nobody likes lawyers. If you're a lawyer out here, I apologize. There are a couple of good ones. I think I've met two in my life and about a thousand that are not so good. A lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? I want you to listen to what Jesus says. This is why the attitude of Christ Jesus is so important. He says, and you know it. 
you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What does that mean? Every fiber of my being, physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything I got, love God with every single ounce. That's what he says. That is the greatest thing you can do. Jesus, God in the flesh, that's what's the greatest? Love me with everything you've got. You want to know the heart of God? There it is. That is the greatest commandment that there is. This is the great and first commandment. And the second, by the way, they didn't ask for this. But just as Jesus did, sometimes he gives us more than we even ask for, right? This is what he said. The second thing is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you do that? The attitude of Christ Jesus, putting others above yourself, putting their needs above your own. So let's break it down very, very simple. What's the two most important things? Love God, love people. That's it. Now, as simple as that is, we mess that up every day, don't we? We get to focus inside. We focus inwardly instead of outwardly. But that is the simplicity of the gospel and the calling that he's given us as believers. Love God and love people. So I ask you this. What if we, as a body, a body of believers, this family that Christ is the head of, what if we set in this place for 2024, I'm going to have the attitude of Jesus, I'm going to love God and love people. That's it. They say, well, I don't know what it's going to take for me to get there. And there may be different parts of your resolution that you need to have as an individual, even in a, a spiritual resolution. But as a body, what if we just said, not just in this place, but here, when we gather, we love God, we love people. I put others in front of myself. What does that mean? That means if somebody cuts in front of me in the sloppy Joe line, guess what? They'll still be sloppies for me, right? I'll still get them. Well, what if somebody got the bigger box of cereal? Well, put them in front of yourself. Maybe they needed it that week, right? What if somebody got the, the gray jacket and I got the, the green one? Green's not my color. It doesn't clash well with my, it clashes with my eyes. Okay, it's fine. It'll keep you warm, right? You put that person in front of yourself. Guess what? Christ may be saying, you know what? Man, that guy deserves a gray jacket. I'm going to give him a gray jacket by some other means. I, I don't know how he works those things. I can just tell you, he won't let you down. He won't leave you or forsake you. He's already promised us that. But what if it looked like that here in this place? And then even more so, when we walk out the gates, as we go through our city and we see somebody, and maybe they're a jerk, maybe there's somebody we can't stand, even more so, what if we love them by loving God first and then love people? That that's our attitude. That's the way we live and operate in this world. And here's why it's so important. Jesus says this. He finishes that statement. I'll read it here. I shut my Bible. I'm going to read it back. Listen to what he says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. In other words, what he says, if you want to know what everything hinges on, it's this. Loving me with everything you got and then loving others more importantly than yourselves. All right, I want to close with this. Kind of heavy stuff. Think about it in a new year, new opportunity, the clean slate, all of those things. But I want you to think, if you and me, a selfish person, we all are naturally, right? We're all selfish. We all want to look out for us. 
And you say, well, I can't do that. I, that's just so unnatural. I'm going to take the pressure off again. You're exactly right. It is so unnatural. It's not natural. But the good news, it is, it is supernatural. If you have the Holy Spirit of living, living God inside of you, then you have the fruit of the Spirit, which I want to blow your mind. You know that whole list about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience? That's not the only fruit of the Spirit. He brings a lot of other good things in our life too, right? But at least that list you've got that you can look and you can read and say, well, I don't have a lot of love for people. Well, maybe you don't, but Christ does. He lives in you, right? If you know him. They said, man, I don't have any patience. Good thing. Christ never runs out of patience. I know because I trust his patience uh, every day. I test his patience every day. So if we as selfish people can supernaturally operate within the limitless fruit of the spirit. But man, I just want to tell you this. Our daily aim is to love God, love people. If we do that, I honestly believe that this year change will happen. I believe that revival could happen. So I want to tell you, I had this big uh, master plan. This is super big. It wasn't that big. Uh, Anybody ever heard of the campaign? It's a ministry called I Am Second. If you know me, you have probably heard me talk about that before or seen me wear something or whatever. But it is this based on this whole idea to love God and others first, and then I am second. All right. I want you to know you got some wristbands that say I am second, but thanks to the U.S. Postal Service, they are not here today, but they will be here next week. So I want you to imagine that you've got it. (laughs) And as you do, and when you do get that, whether you choose to wear it, whether you choose to put it on your gear shift knob, or you want to put it on your bike, you put it on your backpack, I don't care where you put it, take one. And I want it to be a reminder because 2024, that's what I want it to be. I want our family, and more important than what I want, I think God wants that, that we determine ourselves. If we get everything else wrong, we're going to have the attitude of Jesus in this parking lot. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. Can I tell you this? If Jesus gets to a point where he says, on that, that's everything. If Jesus is that determined that that means everything, the all the law, the prophets was to get us to a point to understand, love me, love people, then I think we need to be about it. You with me? Anybody with me this morning said, let's do that this year? Man, just the people that raise their hand, it can start a revival. I promise you, in Jesus' name, it can. So let's pray for that. Let's ask and uh, just thank you so much for your attention this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. I do pray that if some somebody is here, I don't want them to get it twisted when I say new year, new me. If they've never given their heart and life to you, then it is time for a new me. It is time for the old to pass and the new to come. Uh, the the flesh to, to die and Father for the Spirit to take uh, residence. And so we pray for that. I, I pray if somebody's here and doesn't know you that they'd meet you for the first time and, and maybe even just hearing that passage about the attitude of a Savior named Jesus, the only Savior, the one that was equal with you, God, but put on human flesh all for one purpose. We said it last week, the manger was for the cross. That's what it was for. It was redemption's price we couldn't pay. He bought us back. It's always been the plan. That was love's plan from the very beginning. We thank you for it. We don't deserve it. So if somebody's here, they've never accepted you, it is time for a new me. But Father, those of us that have, let's take the pressure off. It's not a new me you're after. It's the me that we already are. 
And you've told us what the most important things are to love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, every inch of our body, that we love you beyond anything else. And through that, through that full cup, we overflow and we pour into others and we love them and count them as more important than ourselves. And so Jesus may 2024 for us individually and as a church at Southside be so much just saturated with the idea of loving God and loving people. We would have the attitude that is found in you, Jesus, where we would count others as more significant than ourselves. We'd let the petty stuff go. Somebody breaking in line, somebody getting something more than we do, somebody hurting our feelings. Uh, Father, whatever it is, grudges that we have. Uh, Father, I don't know what's all present in this parking lot. I just know that all of it's not good. So we pray that you would intervene in those situations, that you would break hearts. Uh, start with me. I need mine broken, Father, in places. And I just want it to be about loving you and loving others. And so uh, for those that raise their hand and said they're in on that, uh, I pray that you just give us the courage to not walk in that just uh, like most New Year's resolutions and by February we're done, but that we could honestly sit here as 2025 rolls around and just marvel at what you've done, all because of you, but also because people have humbled themselves and said, we want to love God and love people. Let that be what the church at Southside is known for. We love you. And I would say this, I think everybody agrees, we need you. And we pray and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.